You're listening to Sports Connections with David Smale, the show that brings you a fun and intimate look into connections throughout sports. Now here's your host, David Smale. Allie Trost has only been with Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City for less than two years, but in that short amount of time, she has become a jack of all trades and a master of many. She was hired to help boost marketing and social media for America's largest all sports radio station. And she was expected to bring a fresh voice to an almost all male on air team as a guest or a guest host across multiple shows. But it didn't take long for this small stick of dynamite to make a big impact at the station. Besides her regular on air duties with the station, she has become the sideline reporter for Sporting Kansas City's local television and radio broadcasts, which are on 810. And she is a color analyst for the new women's professional soccer team in Kansas City. Allie, welcome to Sports Connections. Thanks for having me, David. I'm excited to come on with you. I listen um, to your show and your many great guests, so I'm honored to now be one of them. Well, you deserve to be on here. So let's start with your with your background. How did you get involved with covering sports? Yeah, I mean, it was um, kind of a, a different path than I think many might take and was one that really started my senior year of college at Missouri. I had entered my college career at Mizzou with the intention of studying journalism and like many young women um, interested in the field, wanted to be the next Aaron Andrews. So I kind of entered college in 2013 with that mindset, but wasn't entirely, I guess, passionate about doing the local TV route at the Missouri School of Journalism. I you know, I, I wanted to cover games. That's what I wanted to do. And I just wasn't really sure how to get into it um, through through the journalism school at the time at Mizzou. So I kind of strayed away from the broadcast side and found myself studying strategic communication and really enjoyed that. Honestly, all the marketing advertising stuff was really interesting to me. But then my summer before my senior year, junior year summer, I took some internships and I was like, you know what? I don't know if this is really for me. Like the marketing stuff wasn't really doing it for me. And I told my dad, I was like, you know, I, I think I might want to get back into, into, you know, the sports thing and the TV thing. And so I, I toured some stations in St. Louis that summer and still just kind of, you know, it, it was just more of this thing that kind of kept eating at me maybe a little bit. And so my, my start of my senior year, I got an email randomly from the editor of the women's basketball SB nation site called Swish Appeal. And they're like, hey, do you want to cover the Mizzou women's basketball team? We're looking for a beat writer and just wanting to know if I wanted to do it. Mind you, I had no experience outside of just my journalism school experience up to that right. point. And, you know, didn't I, I was a soccer player. I, I watched basketball, but wasn't some like big basketball nut. And I was like, you know what? I'll do this. Why not? I something about me is that I will pretty much always say yes to an opportunity. I love trying new things, pushing myself outside my comfort zone. So I figured, why not? Let's do it. Learned as much as I could about, you know, the sport on, on a deeper level, started going out to media availabilities, got credentialed for all the games, and I fell in love with it. I learned so much. I had so much fun. I was getting to, you know, connect with this team and tell their story on a level that I feel like at the time, not a lot of other people could, because when I went in these media rooms, all the people covering the team they were older men, which it's fine. They had great coverage, but I saw these, these girls out on the weeknights. I was a bartender at Mizzou. I got to, you know, they, there was just that familiarity there. And so it was so much fun. I had a blast doing it and it really kind of sparked reignited 
this passion that I had for getting into sports and was really that first step that I, I never had when I started in college that really kind of spearheaded the whole thing for me. And then at the end of my senior year, I got the opportunity through SB Nation to go down to New Orleans for the NBA All-Star weekend. And that was a great experience. That was my first time really being at a professional sporting event, credentialed and in pressers, asking questions, you know, getting to do all of this stuff, writing stories. And so after that, I was like, okay, this is something that I think I really want to do. But when I graduated, like I said, I, I hadn't been you know, putting together a portfolio that was really writing or TV based. All my work was in the marketing, PR, copywriting kind of field. And so I thought, well, how about I look for jobs that I have a lot of experience in and then the sports thing, I'll just kind of keep pursuing that on the side. So the one job I applied to in Kansas City as a copywriter, I got and started working here full time as a copywriter, but then got involved with the Blue Testament, which is the SB Nation site that covers Sporting Kansas City. So that gave me a lot of opportunities getting in the door with them, covering the team, bought my own camera equipment, got somehow the permission to go down and do on-field interviews with Peter Vermees and players. And then that led to an opportunity, another SB Nation opportunity covering the Chiefs with Arrowhead Pride. And then all of that then led me to 810. So SB Nation played a huge role um, in my career early on. And yeah, just all of that, you know, part-time work, most of it unpaid, um, just trying to get experience in the sports field eventually then led me to getting to, you know, take the jump into sports full-time, which has then, you know, led to these new opportunities as of this year as the color analyst, like you said, for the women's team and the new sideline reporter for Sporting KC. So it's been a, a wild journey, definitely one that hasn't been easy. Um, you know, just a lot of a lot of hours put in outside of the regular nine to five world that I had been living in, but wouldn't change a thing and love Kansas City. It's interesting, Allie. You know, we, we all love Rex Hudler, the color analyst for the Royals, and he talks about the Best, availability, best ability an athlete can have is availability. Sounds like you follow that same track. You didn't say no. It wasn't a paying position, but it, it got you in the door. That is so important that so many young people don't recognize. They want to start at 810 or they want to start at ESPN. You were willing to do what it took to get to where you earned that spot. Yeah, and you know it's something too where I think all of the experiences that you have throughout your life and, and especially in your career, all of those kind of help inform, you know, other decisions or, or ways of doing things. So I've always been a huge advocate for anyone that's coming up in any industry. Try to understand all of the inner workings of yeah. all of the departments that you might be interacting with. So for me, especially with how things are trending nowadays, having a, a lot of a, a deep understanding of how social media works and how, you know, to, to utilize those things, especially now to grow your own brand, to, to help promote your work and different things like that. All of those things have, have really helped, um, have helped me, I think, immensely and just not, you know, the on-air side, but in the promotion side for both 810 and the teams that I work for, how to, you know, get some of that work out there to the people who may not have seen it on TV or who may not have heard it on the radio. You know, you mentioned doing a podcast and that being maybe a foreign thing for you. Nowadays, people expect the, the writers and the people that they follow to have a podcast or to have their work on a number of different platforms. So I've, I've really enjoyed 
getting to work across a you know multitude of platforms now and the TV side is is newer for me. I had done different local appearances, but doing it full time or you know part time full time now yeah. um, has been great. And you know, radio really I think kind of jump started a lot of those things for me and and definitely helped me find my voice. So I am grateful for eight ten for not just giving me the opportunity to help out on the digital side, but then to give me opportunities on the on air side because. I, I think radio is, for anyone who wants to go into broadcasting, one of the most invaluable experiences that you can have. It, I, I'm told that the most common fear among all America, I don't know about worldwide, but the most common fear among Americans is speaking in public. I don't have that. <laughs> I, that doesn't bother me at all. Uh, we, we, we joke at family gatherings when they say sweets for the sweets, they pass me the ham. And so I don't understand that. Did you ever have any of that, you know, going from digital media, social media, that type of thing to being on the air? Did it ever, ever cause you to freeze up? Oh, for sure. And I think, you know, I'm kind of the same way. Like public speaking never really freaked me out. Like at family gatherings growing up, I'd be singing karaoke at age seven. You know, I, I've always, <laughs> I've always enjoyed entertaining people. I, I love stand-up comedy. I, you know, part of me in college was like, do I just want to move to a Chicago or New York and write for SNL? Maybe not being the one on stage, but I, I just, I, I love so many different forms of entertainment. And while sports journalism is you know, it's journalism, you know, you're reporting, right. it's also entertainment. Yeah. So it's, it's finding a way to kind of blend the two of those things. But no, I, you know, and that's where I kind of really do give radio a ton of credit. When I first started getting different sideline reporting opportunities here or there, I would get so in my own head about how I was saying it. And, and it just wasn't sounding like me. And, and I was putting way too much thought into, into the delivery. So then as I'm delivering it, I'm not even thinking about the information. I'm just thinking about how it's coming out. And so doing live radio and, and being charged with planning and hosting a two hour, hour, three hour show, and you're interviewing guests, you're segueing from one topic to the next. It eventually gives you that confidence yeah. that, hey, trust your preparation, trust how you would say it. Trust the fact that, hey, even if it doesn't go exactly as planned, you've got, you can, you can do it. You can make it work. It's all good. Um, and people don't like perfect either. People, you know, can tell when some, someone's coming off the, in a way that's not their authentic self. So that's been maybe the biggest challenge for me is just getting more comfortable and confident on air to where I'm talking the, the way that I do all the time. Um, and that's, really where radio comes in. And, and as I've gotten more of those experiences, I'm much less in my head, which then gives me that confidence on air to not freeze up or to not, you know, get too hung up on a word or a phrase or just, again, trusting that preparation and, and being confident. I think one of the reasons you are, you are so popular so quickly with A10 is you sound authentic. You know, before I ever met you, I followed you on Twitter and, and I've I just love listening to what you're doing because one, you're passionate about it. You can tell you really like it Two, You just seem like a normal young lady. You don't seem all caught up on yourself. And there's so many people, even in media, I, I cannot watch the talking head shows, the, the ones that are on ESPN before sports center, because it's, you know, either they're not really, that they're not really like that. And they're having to put on this extra, you know, they're journalists like Bob Ryan, you know, who, who are good at writing and they're having to put this different persona on. 
or they're really arrogant people I don't want to hang around with. I like listening to you because you're just, you're relatable. And so I, I say that to, to segue into something that happened recently. You posted on Twitter, the post game um, in a recent game sporting Kansas city at the LA galaxy that you thought you were goofy interviewing Peter Vermees. I remember watching that after the game ended thinking, Oh, that's great. She's just, she's excited that, that her team won and she's excited to talk to Peter. Why did you think it came off goofy? Well, I was laughing because I had my clipboard in my hand. And so I like, and I, I'm a very expressive person. So I talk with my hands, even though in TV, That's the Italian that kind of, it is. Oh my gosh. Seriously. <laughs> that is like, I'm very, very expressive. Um, yeah. The hands are moving. Like I look like I'm, I could, I could toss a pizza at any time. Um, but you know, when you're talking with your hands, having something in your hand, in addition to the microphone, it just can look distracting. So yeah. that's part of me that, you know, wants to be enthusiastic and, entertaining but also refined as well so that's something i'm my biggest critic i'll watch my stuff back i also which is kind of just funny being in this business i hate to like hear myself talk or like see yeah. myself talk i mean it's very hard for me to go back and watch some of my stuff even if i think i did a good job um, but i'm very critical of myself which can be good in a lot of ways and it can also be bad in some ways but i think for me it's it's really allowed me to get better because i push myself incredibly hard. Like I'm very hard on myself and I'm always thinking, man, I should have phrased this this way or, Ooh, I really wish I had been able to get this question in. And, and just that process. And the more, you know, I get the opportunity to do things like calling games for the women's side, hosting a radio show, interviewing a guest, doing sideline stuff. All of that allows me to, to really, I, I think grow because I'm always evaluating my work and seeing how I can get better and and also taking advice from some amazing people. I'm very fortunate, I think, being in Kansas City to have so many talented individuals around me who have made their careers here and are beloved by the sports fans in the city. And, and all of those people have been so kind with their time and, and willingness to help me out and, and give me feedback or just give me that encouragement and support. So I, I think that has been massive for me in my career as well, that I'm surrounded by such a good network of people who, who want to see me do well. And, and that, that encouragement, that support, I want to do well for those people, for myself, for my family, my friends, and then the teams that I cover, you know, I hold myself to a high standard for them as well, because they're putting in all this work to put out a good product on the field. The least I can do is to put in my work to make sure that I'm able to help highlight them in a way that, that matches all of the, the work and expectations that they have for for each other and themselves. Let's talk about soccer. You um, made an impact at 810 quickly with your knowledge of soccer. You said you played played soccer growing up. How good were you? I was pretty good. Uh, you know, you mentioned the the height thing in the intro there. Being 5'1", you have to find other ways to, to stand out on the field or to, to elevate your game, especially when you're most of the time outsized. So maybe don't challenge me to a race at this point. I, I'm definitely not as quick as I used to be. Don't have the endurance, um, but I was very fast. I, I've got, the foot skills are still there. I was good. You know, I, I played um, at a very high competitive level all throughout high school and looked to play in college as well. But, uh, you know, for me, 
two reasons I didn't play in college. Number one being that I, I don't think the interest was there uh, to playing at that level. Not that I didn't love soccer still, but I had also had a pretty bad back injury my sophomore year and, and just the physical demand of what that next four years would look like. And also not being that enthusiastic or passionate about taking my career to the professional level. It was like, just, it didn't in my head make a lot of sense to, to maybe put myself out there in a way that could result in a horrible injury that would then, you know, stay with me for the rest of my life. Um, and, and I think that was kind of always in the back of my head a little bit. And, and not to mention, I, I think about this now too, when I was entering college, the NWSL was this new thing. I mean, for women, if you weren't going to play on the national team, yeah, you had a very uncertain professional career ahead, uh, you know, not playing, playing at the level that wasn't the national team. And that's just such a select group. Definitely wasn't at that, you know, level no. of, of, of talent, but um, you know, I, I think everything happens for a reason and I'm so grateful to be involved in the sport and the way I am now. And even having some of that background and familiarity, sure, it would be great if I had had maybe some of the, the soccer collegiate experience as well, but just understanding the game from the player's perspective and, and some of the challenges that go into to different things that pop up throughout the season, I think has given me a, an advantage in ways. But also, I just, I love the game. I always have. Like, it's just something I've grown up around and have loved my entire life. So getting to be around it all the time now, like I never feel like I'm 4th of July covering a sporting KC game. I would not want to be anywhere else. People are at the lake grilling out. That does not phase me. I am exactly where I would want to be. So love the game. Um, it's just so much fun. And I'm so glad, you know, that sports are back in the ways that they are because watching the Euros has been a blast. We got the Gold Cup coming up, Olympics. Like it's just, it's such a fun time in soccer. This may surprise you. I mean, one, you don't know me that well yet, but um, I'm not the typical, um, you know, crusty old, old guy sports writer. I've followed women's soccer, at least on the collegiate level, a lot more than men's soccer. Uh, one of my very good friends is Anson Dorrance, who was the uh, women's national team coach when they won the first Women's World Cup. I know Mia Hamm. I know Christine Lilly. I know Michelle Akers. Um, not well. We're not buddy-buddy, but, you know, if I ran into them, they would, they would know who I was. And, and uh, I did a book on North Carolina women's soccer. And you talked about being uh, being short, height challenge. Let's put it that way. Talk about not being, as, not being as tall as some of your competitors. One of my favorite people to interview with that North Carolina book was a gal named Tracy Bates, who later coached at Creighton. And I think she was even shorter than 5'1". I don't know exactly how tall she was, but she was a bundle of energy. And I picture you playing the same way as Tracy did. Do you know who Tracy is? And do you, did you have her as a role model? I do remember her, but I, my biggest role model was Mia Hamm. Like that I'm, and I'm not alone in, in having yeah. that yeah. same experience growing up, but I actually went to the UNC soccer camp. I think when I was 10 and I earned myself the nickname mini Mia because much like her, I was quick. I was gritty. I loved, loved scoring goals. And although we didn't, always play the same position. I played, I played some forward, but I also mostly played, um, a lot of different midfield positions. Um, 
I just, I wanted to be her and Christine Lilly too. I also yep. loved Christine Lilly. I have both of their autographs, by the way, I have to give a shout out to my great uncle, Al Trost, who had a very successful playing career himself, playing um, NASL, MISL, Olympics, national team. He's in the U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame. Um, and he was someone who helped really kind of encourage and foster that love of soccer, as did my entire family for the Tros. Soccer is, you know, kind of a, a big deal in our family. Fun fact, each Christmas outside of COVID last year, we rent out an indoor soccer facility and play soccer all you know, however many of us, it's a big family. So soccer is, like I said, it's, it's a big part of my life and always has been, but he would take my uncle, my great uncle, I would take my, uh, my U S soccer Jersey that my dad got me and he would take it to all of his different, you know, meet and greets and stuff with the hall of fame and get it signed by different women's players. So I believe on there, we've got Julie Foudy. We've got Mia Hamm, Christine Lilly. I think Abby Wambach's on there too. Um, but I still have it and I wear it for all that we, you know, we'll host some of the women's world uh, soccer watch parties in Kansas yeah. City. I got to be on stage with Nate Bucati uh, a couple of years ago for the Women's World Cup. And I wore it like every single uh, game that we emceed. So, um, but yeah, I, like so many of those women inspired me growing up. And it's cool because now being in Kansas City and seeing the women's team here and, and the growth of the NWSL it's not just so big for, for women's soccer, but for like the next generation, having, having people like them to look up to. And it just shows that there's a path. If you want to do this someday, you can, and you can do it in places like Kansas city in LA and Louisville. There's all these, it's just so fun. And and to be a part of that and to help grow the game in that way for the next generation is important to me. Cause I I used to be that kid. I was the kid who was, you know, had every book on Mia Ham on the 99 World Cup team was, you know, begging my parents to go to the Notre Dame soccer camp, the UNC soccer camp, wanting to play for Anson Dorrance, be that, you know, Mia Ham. All of those things were so motivating for me in the sport of soccer and, and I think shaped me so much so into who I am today. And that's why, although I didn't get to take my playing career to that level, I don't really have any regrets because I think I ended up where I'm supposed to be and, and being a part of the the media scene in the sport, especially seeing how both men's and women's soccer continue to grow in the U S it's such an exciting time. I mean, it really is. It, when I was doing the book on North Carolina soccer, this was in 93. So Mia was still a student there. She'd taken a year off to play on the world cup team in 91, but she, I think she was going into her senior year that fall and I was there for a couple of weeks and, and I was in the practice facility one day before practice and she came in and she said, I actually was during the summer. So she was just there. And she said, did Anson give you some gear? And I said, yeah, he gave me a few things. And she said, well, what did he give you? And I told her, you know, t-shirt and this. And she said, he didn't give you a Jersey. And I said, no. And she goes, well, we're getting new jerseys next, you know, for this coming season. So this box here is last year's jerseys. Let me find one for you. And she dug around through there and gave me her number nine game used jersey. And I don't still have it because one of my best friends, his daughter was giving a speech in eighth grade and it was about your, your idol. And she talked about Mia Hamm. And so I let her wear the jersey when she did her, her speech. And she was crying in my living room when she brought it back. And I said, you know what? 
just keep it. So then later we, we sent it to her um, and had her autograph it uh, for that young lady. So I don't still have it. I still Love have it. a, I still have a North Carolina soccer, women's soccer Jersey, not any, I don't share that it's the women's Jersey, <laughs> but I still have a women's soccer Jersey from Carolina that I wear. Just not that one. That was, it was kind yeah. of, it was a replica. So, okay. Sorry. Let's get That's back. That's so to awesome. Pe- people are here to tuning into this because they want to hear about you, not me. So um, you have a lot of roles at the station from chatting with hosts like Jason Anderson to hosting your own program to doing the color analysts and the sideline reporting. What's your favorite role? Ooh, that's a good question because I like all of them for different reasons. They all are are different and unique in their own way and really fun and rewarding in their own way. But like I said earlier, I, for me, when I started at Mizzou and I wanted to maybe get involved in sports and be the next Aaron Andrews, whatever, I wanted to do that because to me, there's nothing better than being up close to all the action in a way that no one else can can access and that's why i think the sideline reporting has been really fun even like sitting in the booth up you know near the press box calling the game there's nothing like being down and getting on the field and getting to talk to a coach or a player the second they're coming off the field and getting that raw reaction and being tasked with the the responsibility of getting the best answers out of them. I think that's so fun and it's such an exciting challenge each game and every game's so different. It presents its unique challenges and and so I, I have to say definitely the on field reporting is it's unmatched because every game is so different and you get to be there for milestones and different players' careers. Like with sporting specifically, something that I find really cool is you know their pro player pathway and the way that these young homegrown academy products are now making impacts on the professional yeah. level. We're going to start seeing that a lot more across major league soccer, but Sporting Kansas City is setting the standard and how it should be done. And so getting to be on the field after, you know, Felipe Hernandez scores his first professional goal after John Luca Busio, who probably is not going to be with us much longer and somewhere in Europe at some point, getting to cover some of those, you know, pivotal moments in his career and then talking with them after, after those moments happen. It's just, it's such a special thing and it's hard to put into words just how fun and energizing that role is. But, you know, like I said, all of my different roles and the different types of work I get to do are so rewarding and fun in their own ways. So I, if I had to pick a a favorite, it would be that solely because of just how unique the environment is. All right. I got to ask you, you, you've mentioned that you like challenges. You're not, you don't back down from challenges, which is, which do you, I'm not even sure how to ask this question. I'm just thinking of it, but you only have one more interview the rest of your career. Would you rather interview Peter Vermees coming off the, the pitch after a come from behind score the game winning goal in overtime or coming off a loss? Which would you rather have that last interview be? This is a good question. Let me me stop. Take away the fact that you're disappointed in the loss because you're also a Sporting Kansas City fan. So just from a professional standpoint. Yeah. You know, it it totally depends on on the person, too, because I think, you know, something about Peter that I remember him saying at one point was like, he gets 
a lot of his emotion out during the game. So like the, and so really like the best time to get him is right when he's coming off, because even by the time the press conference comes around, he's probably, you know, like he's kind of put some of it behind him. Um, you know, the, the loss would definitely be a challenge. And because sporting for the majority of the time I've covered them, it's been so good. (laughs) I don't really get Peter Vermees after a loss too often. Um, but I think sometimes the wins with someone like Vermees are just as challenging, um, because he's had so much success as a manager and as a player, you know, he's, he's won those big games. He's won trophies, right? He's won, like they've won those games in a very exciting fashion. So so to, you know, finding the, the angle of which you can get a new emotion or a new reaction or an answer that, you know, is able to capture that moment, whether it's a win or a loss to me is, is just as challenging. So I'd have to go with a win because, you know, Sporting's won some of their trophies and some thrilling fashions, you know, with the, um, the penalties and, you know, stoppage time craziness. Like there have been some really exciting results that have ended in a win, um, but the questions are, you know, every everything that you're talking about, whether it's a win or a loss, is just as insane. So I'd, yeah. I'd have to go with a win. I'd go with a win for sure. Okay. Now, I'm not going to ask you who your favorite player is on Sporting because you have to talk to all of them. <laughs> Who's your favorite player to interview on the field right after a match? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I, I'll say that this last game – getting Johnny Russell after he scored his first goal I love of the it. 2021 season. He like Johnny is the fact that he was able to come on the scene at sporting and immediately become so beloved by the fans. He wears the captain's band and is really, you know, there's no better term for him than the glue guy. He's someone in the locker room who really resonates with both the, the young core of players which is about half the locker room as well as you know the more veteran side so I just think that he is such a unique person and and is just such a fun player to watch on the field and you know I I really appreciated his comments after the game because I, I thought he really did go into what that that goal meant to him and just it was just he's so you always get um you always get something good from Johnny when you talk to him, but really every, like everyone, Tim Melia is also a great post-game interview um, or just a great interview in general. I, I'd say all the guys are, are really um, thoughtful and honest. And, you know, I, I think Daniel Shallow is another player who, yeah. who never really shies away from how he really feels about something. Um, yeah. His, his press conference comments um, about not wanting to talk about, last year anymore I like I love that confidence like that's so like those are the types of personalities someone who's not afraid to really say what's on their mind um so there's there's so many it's so hard to pick one but I'm going with I'm a little recency bias here by by picking Johnny Russell but yeah I I don't know if it made the tv broadcast but right after uh the interview wrapped up on I mean to my knowledge it was being recorded and I think it was recorded but he was like I'm gonna go have a drink now so (laughs) yeah he's just you know he's fun and and he he celebrates hard but he he plays incredibly hard and trains incredibly hard as well uh which is fun to watch just being out at training well I know I go to the preseason media day every year and you know I'll get different guys and I always get Johnny Russell one he's just so much fun to listen to with that with that (laughs) Scottish brogue but it's just yeah he's He's great. And I've done, I've done a podcast with Tim Melia 
and with Daniel Shallowy and, and good, good guys for, for sure. Okay. What are your long-term goals with this? Man, uh, like I said, I like to challenge myself and the second, you know, that I reach a new milestone, I'm already setting new goals of, of what I can do and ways I can push myself to reach new heights. But, you know, we've talked about world cups and Olympics. I think for me, soccer's always been, and will be my number one from a career standpoint. I've enjoyed getting to cover a number of other sports, but there's just nothing like soccer for me. So I think getting to cover a world cup or getting to cover, um, you know, the U S and the Olympics would hands down be, uh, you know, just a must as well, you know, same thing with like a MLS cup and WSL final, some of those big tournaments being right. a part of those broadcasts. But yeah, I'd say Olympics or world cup would be just a dream come true and something that I'm, you know, definitely working towards. It's interesting. You you alluded to it earlier. Um, for a, a market the size of Kansas City, we have some phenomenal talent, both on the writing side, the television side, the the radio side. I mean, the the list of columnists, sports columnists that have come through the Kansas City Star, it's just absolutely phenomenal. And in the radio, the interesting thing is, you don't have to leave Kansas City to achieve some of those goals. You can do it right here. Stay here. This is a very livable city and still reach some of those, some of those pinnacles. Yeah. My, and you know, my fiance and I both transplants, we're not from Kansas city. He's from Houston. I'm from St. Louis. So I'm still, you know, from the Midwest, from Missouri, but I mean, we plan to stay in, in KC long-term. I, all the work I get to do here locally and, you know, hope, like I said, my goals someday are to get to do national and um, even international games, but Kansas city is home to me now. And I, absolutely love it here plan to stay here and and yeah you're right you can do those things while living in and kind of working in Kansas City so that is it's part of my goal as well is is having that stability and having my roots here um but of course we'll always be aspiring for you know some of those those big games that are the biggest challenge possible okay uh you've already addressed it some but I'd like like to give people a chance to talk about family. So you've got uh, three younger brothers, no sisters? No sisters. <laughs> okay. Three younger brothers who probably kept you in shape and kept you, uh, <laughs> ch kept challenging you to get better at your sport. Just talk about your family and, and about Tom. Yeah. So I'll start with uh, my family. Yeah. My brothers are crazy. They're so fun. We are, you know, just all through all four of us, incredibly close. And actually I'm fortunate to have my brother, Danny, who's the closest, like I said, I'm the oldest. So the next in line, my brother, Danny actually lives in KC and works here and played golf at Rockhurst university. Incredibly proud of him. And my brother, Tommy played um, some football collegiately before having to, to quit with injury, but he, you know, just all three of my brothers are incredibly athletic and have played every sport under the sun and are, you know, so I, I was really only ever a soccer player. They played ice hockey, football, lacrosse, soccer, golf. I mean, you name it. We played it. Not a big basketball family. I'll, I'll give you that, but we have played just about everything else. And so I actually played a lot of hockey growing up. I can ice skate. I roller skated. You know, we would play basement hockey all the time. And we grew up uh, next to a former Rams player. So we would go, you know, play football with him in the front yard. We just, we were always playing sports and my parents are saints. God bless them. They drove us to every event, coached us. And, you know, I've, I've always been just big proponents for all four of us and whatever we wanted to achieve. And, you know, I, I always 
think too about this and how it's impacted my career, but like <laughs> the whole like girl dad thing. I don't know why I'm like tearing up about this, but my dad always like pushed me and never made me feel like I couldn't, you know, do whatever I wanted to do. Play professional soccer? Sure, you can do that, you know. So I think in, in this industry, that was like big for me. So yeah, here I am crying about it, but. Sorry yeah, about, he's... sorry to make you cry. I didn't, I wasn't expecting that. No, I mean, it's, it's very like in a very positive way. And, yeah. um, you know, my, uh, my mom and dad were actually in LA for my first road game of sporting this weekend. They were there for my first home game, uh, against Austin FC. So they've just been so incredibly supportive and amazing. So yeah, love my family to death, Tom. I mean, also just like, you know, my fiance, my best friend. So like grateful for, for him. And we just have a lot of fun together. We both love sports. We met actually working in the sports field. He um, was a, a sports anchor at Channel 5, which is ironically enough, we met at a sporting KC practice. So talk about a full circle type yeah. moment there. But uh, yeah, so, you know, it's just, I'm very fortunate to have such a great family and, and his family is also fantastic. So really just couldn't be more blessed with, with all of them and, and our relationships that we have. And I got to ask you one thing before I go to the last question, or I guess not ask, but comment. A lot of us grew up playing in our basements, stuff like that. You had an advantage because you didn't have to worry about hitting the rafters. No, never. <laughs> even with even with even with rollerblades on never a worry for me so now we did at one point I think playing I, I did get a shiner to playing roller hockey in the basement because we would play with those really hard like plastic yeah like uh, roller hockey balls I guess you could call them uh, we did I think I you know I took one to the eye right before picture day in second grade but then we also broke a pipe at one point in the basement so you know it wasn't always uh <laughs> It wasn't always without injury or destruction, but it yeah. was a lot of fun. And, and yeah, my dad was also down there playing the man somehow never ages or runs out of energy. He's going on 55 at some point. And I mean, so runs marathons, he's like the most active guy I know. So he was always, you know, down there playing with us as well. So, um, you know, that was, that was always a lot of fun. All right. I always conclude my interviews with the same question and I don't know exactly how old you are and you don't have to tell us but someone your age group, let's put it that way, may not have this answer yet, but you can interpret it however you want. Maybe what you want the answer to be. What's your legacy? You know, I saw this when you sent me over the, uh, some of the questions and topics and I was like, hmm, I think I'm just gonna kind of wait and see what comes out after our interview. But, you know, I think for me, um, I have a lot of young women reach out to me who are inspired by some of the work I've done or, you know, maybe want to get into sports or are considering sports radio or, or just a number of different things because of, of some of my experiences and what I've done. So I hope that, you know, my legacy when all said and done is that I, is that I, I like, I hope that I can break some barriers that make it, you know, more common for, for women to get into certain positions and, and to go for different things. I think, you know, sports have become a lot more um, diverse as far as the, the media coverage is concerned. And I'm happy to, you know, be a part of that. But, you know, I also hope that I, people just remember 
my work and, and who I am, not just for what I, you know, have done career wise and broadcasting, but also how that translates to impact in the community as well. I, my, my goal is to get more and more involved in the KC community from a philanthropic side. And so I hope that, you know, it's not just the work that I'm able to do and, and bringing people closer to the game, inspiring the next generation of, you know, athletes and maybe even reporters, but also just different impacts I can make on, on the community here. And there are so many fantastic charitable organizations and charitable organizations that are aligned with sporting women's team. And, you know, just being a part of those is, it's definitely something I want to be a part of my legacy. That's awesome. Well, Ali, I've enjoyed this hour. It's been almost an hour. I've enjoyed it very much. And I thank you very much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. And you, you got me to cry. You know, I wasn't expecting that. So uh, that's a credit to you. I, I, I believe a good journalist can get their subjects to cry. So uh, job well done. Thanks for listening to Sports Connections with David Smale. Make sure to subscribe, follow, and rate the show from your favorite podcast platform. You can learn more about David Smale and his work by visiting davidsmalebooks.com. Don't forget to join us weekly for new episodes. Until next time.